Hello and welcome into the final episode of Live from West End for the 2022-2023 school year. We got Aiden in the studio per usual. We got Frankie here, our deputy sports editor. Guys, it's been a run. It has been a run. Honored to be here for uh, your last episode, Bryce. I know. I feel like I'm doing the farewell tour right now. It's crazy. Going around all the different arenas. Everyone's giving me a gift. No gifts in the studio from you guys, though, sadly. You know, I was thinking about getting you a gift, and then I realized that I didn't want to do that. That's fair. Because I don't like you. That's fair. Yeah. Um, well, today, for our final podcast, we have minimal good news to talk about. Negative good news. Negative. Some might say. And for the orgy might get picked on okay. day two of true. the NFL draft. True, true. We're banking that. But over- Day two? The last- Yeah, day two. Okay. Rounds three for three through five. Fair. Um. Or maybe it's not five minutes, three and four. I think round two is two and day two is two and three, and then day three is four through seven. Oh, wow. Okay, so maybe he'll be on d- day three. They day do 2. a lot 5. on day three then. Day 2.5. They go through them quick. Okay. Um. Anyways, since our last podcast over the last week, Tyron Lawrence has entered the transfer portal. Judeus Richard has entered the transfer portal from football, a very promising cornerback. Baseball got swept Horribly in Knoxville against Tennessee, and am I missing anything? No, those were like the three pillars. I would say the three. Golf lost the championship. Oh, golf lost in the SEC championships. <laughs> we used up all our luck in the bowling. Both tennis teams tournament. lost. That's not. That's yeah. Not so new news. So though. vibes are not high on West End right now in terms of Vanderbilt athletics, but we're gonna sit here and talk about it anyway. We are. So we'll start with the Tyron Lawrence news. That's kind of the biggest thing. That happened this week. Just a really big loss for Vanderbilt as a basketball program. A really big loss as an athletic department, in my opinion. And look, I don't want to sit here and speculate and act like I know exactly what happened and, and what the details of his transfer portal entry are. A lot of guys do it for various reasons, and that's been true of Vanderbilt's team this offseason. But I think when you look at it on paper... It's kind of a organizational failure from Vanderbilt's perspective to let a guy like Tyron Lawrence get away. Now, Vanderbilt's going to have trouble keeping up with the NIL bidding that's going to go on for a player like that in this era. With that said, Vanderbilt basketball is always going to have those uphill impediments. You're going to have to create a culture here where players want to stay. Because you're not going to have the funding that an LSU or an Arkansas or a Texas or any of these Miami, India, like I can go on with the list. You're not going to have the funding that these schools have. So you got to create a culture like Clark Lee, like 
and Corbin have where guys want to stay. And there's now been seven players from the 2022-23 roster that have left the team. That's Jordan Wright, Quentin Laura Brown, Tyron Lawrence, Miles Studi, Trey Thomas, Noah Shelby, and Malik Dia. It's concerning. I To harken back to your memorial minutes after the Alabama loss, the 60-point Alabama loss, you said something about a rotting culture. And I don't want to say that the culture at Vanderbilt is necessarily like rotted, um, but I think we, we might be going in that direction. It's concerning um, to mention, again, like something that you put out, that tweet that you had a few days ago of the fact that every single player from the past four recruiting classes or three has left. All of them have transferred. Scotty went to the draft. That's really concerning. We were Tyron Lawrence's last choice. It was draft, and then if you don't get drafted, you transfer. He, like, you know, from, from what I understand, he didn't want to stay at all. And I don't know why that might well, be. Well, I don't think that's true. Sorry to jump in, but no, I mean, based on what we had heard over the last couple of weeks, he was practicing with the team. He was on campus. There had been positive vibes about him returning. And based on whatever went down over the last week or so, something changed. Tyron is now in the portal. I, I thought at the outset that there was a sliver of a chance that he might come back and kind of shop around and then feel like Vanderbilt's the best option for his personal development as a player. I don't really think that's the case anymore. Um, he's one of the very best players left in the portal now, yeah. and a lot yeah. of teams are going to be super interested. And I think it's, like you said, Aiden, I was I was texting some of our older sports editors about this. Like, it's a hard dilemma because, <laughs> on the one hand, the run from February through March was amazing. Like, we had a ton of fun covering it. It was a ton of fun to watch. It was... I mean, the players were having fun. It, the it players was, were having yeah. fun. It was the most that the program has been galvanized between a positive... Uh, or galvanized by a positive momentum in years. Since my time here, undoubtedly. But... <laughs> We said on January 31st, February 1st, that there are signs of an eroding culture here, right. starting from the top with Jerry Stackhouse. And so you think about making that trade-off where it's like you had this amazing run, you made it to the precipice of the NCAA tournament, you had that whole experience for the last two months, but you <laughs> because you won so many games, on. because right. Jerry Stackhouse won SEC Coach of the Year, because... Things ended up the way that they did, and you didn't get the sweet nectar of an NCAA tournament. You got the disappointment of NIT, but you still played till the third week of March. Now you're in a situation where that culture may be starting to showcase itself when you have the transfer portal open, but you're still in the same situation, in, at least in terms of the administration and the people at the top. So I think it's... It's a tricky situation for Vanderbilt right now, and there's going to be a lot of navigating that needs to go on over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, and something, like, literally, as you were saying it, I kind of realized is the culture starts eroding. They go on a crazy run. Everything kind of goes right for a little while. The culture is still eroded, and if the culture is still eroded, then people are going to use this not as, uh, hey, we can fix the culture, but, hey, let's get out of here while we're at an apex, while we've proven, you know what I mean? Yeah, like at a high point as a team, like let's all get out of here. Let's use it as a stepping stone. It's like unquote. the Dion Spring Game audition <laughs> exactly. tape for, yeah. for the Colorado yeah. players. It's and and I think you know maybe that's what we're seeing a little bit here. 
It's concerning. Um, it, it's it's incredibly concerning. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, here's the roster outlook at current. Um, you've got Ezra Manion, Colin Smith, Lee Dort, Paul Lewis back. That's four players from last year's team. Almost a starting five. Well, you brought in Evan Taylor, yeah. who we talked about last week on the podcast when we were very excited. That excitement around the men's basketball program lasted... Less than a week. Less than a week. Like So that's your starting five at the outset. You've now got a recruiting class of five freshmen after bringing in two guys over their the last month or so and one one recently that well, was, that yeah, was I'm a saying good news actually. within the last month yeah. yeah um so you've added jason rivera torres who vanderbilt beat out fau for and malik presley who people that i know are really excited about a, a guy who we talked about a little bit last week aiden um was a really high recruit early in his high school process injured his spleen um and kind of lost some of interest from major players like texas he's a texas kid but can jump out of the gym, super athletic, two-way wing, all that. So you've added the five players that we just said, uh, veterans, and then you've got Isaiah West from Good Pasture Christian, uh, JQ Roberts, Carter Lang, Jason Rivera-Torres, Malik Presley. That's only 10 guys. So you still have three scholarships open now that Tyron is not taking up one of those scholarships and now that we are thinking that Tyron is pretty much out the door. And so... What Vanderbilt does with those couple of scholarships, I think, remains the huge question here because if Stackhouse and his staff are able to land a guy like um, the, I'm forgetting the, the UTEP transfer that they're bringing in over the weekend. I, I'm not going to remember his name. Is but that the one if that you bring the Robbie in, uh, put out for the 24-7 subscribers? Uh, no, that was someone else. Um, we- Z- Zarek Onyema. Um, who has a bunch of visiting Vanderbilt from the 24th to the 27th, so he's on campus right now. He's got a bunch of high major interest. Um, so if, if Vanderbilt's able to la- land a guy like that, land some more high-quality options, you start to say, okay, maybe Stack can make more with less with this roster again. But in all likelihood, based on the way things have gone, the fact that Vanderbilt's gotten one transfer so far out of the portal, and it's been... Almost a month now? Yeah. More than a month. You're not feeling especially great about what this roster is going to turn out to be, and that's a shame coming off of last season. I mean, how convinced are we that Stackhouse is actually going to come back? Oh, well, so you want to get into the, yeah. the big, big question. I mean, to be honest, how much can we talk about baseball? Like, we've got time to fill. It's our, la- it's our last podcast. How much can we talk about baseball? You invited me here. No, 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 Frankie. That's not the point. And first of all, you invited yourself, so don't that's you dare point. say anything else. However, happy to have you here. Thank you. It is shook today yeah. in the studio. I'm shook. I, I feel like I'm losing a parent. Um, yeah. No. Uh, I don't know. This is Bryce's <laughs> last in time in the studio, and huh? Bryce and I have loved to make our jokes about um, being basketball guys. So I feel like let's talk about basketball for a little bit. Oh, that's good. We got time. We got time. We can. Well, that's what we're doing. So I'm not doing anything. Okay. What Aiden is alluding to is continued speculation, I'll say, on Twitter that Stackhouse is interested in an NBA job. The Pistons opening was shot down, sort of shot down by Stackhouse himself in, a, in his viral tweet. <laughs> but Trilly Donovan, who's uh, some – college basketball burner guy who has been right about every single transfer for two months 
super weird how this stuff works nowadays. But <laughs> some random college basketball burner who has tweeted a couple times now, like hearing interest for Jerry Stackhouse for the Toronto Raptors job. Uh, J- Jerry obviously hired away from the Toronto Raptors G League team when he came to Vanderbilt. Nick Nurse, the head coach in Toronto, just fired a couple days ago. Um, I I don't think it happens, Aiden, but certainly when you've had an offseason full of rumors like that about your head coach, coupled with everything that we've talked about in terms of how the roster has played out, how the portal purge has gone, you have to. it's think- just not positive momentum that you yeah. want to build off of from a, well, like we said, was a, a very exciting season. Yeah, I'm no, I agree. And like every the excitement of the season kind of goes unfortunately, it goes away with the players that all those like kind of magic moments go and you don't really know what's going to be left uh when you have this much uh turnover and you have this much speculation about your head coach and your program's culture. It's it's just a very very uncertain situation. It, something feels fishy because, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong because, Bryce, you've been around the college basketball scene longer than I have. Seven players don't just transfer out of nowhere. Like, those kind of numbers come when a coach is fired, when t- things are starting completely over. And, again, I could be wrong, but it, it smells to me just it a little fishy. bit. It smells it fishy. Yeah. And I think, for me— the way I see it is it's not about Stackhouse's interest. I think ultimately Stackhouse would like to go to the NBA and coach at a higher level. I agree with that. However, it's a question of whether or not he's qualified, whether he has the resume to beat out some of the assistant NBA coaches or some other college coaches that have found more success, et cetera, et cetera. He hasn't done necessarily a ton with Vanderbilt in terms of getting them to the tournament and whatnot. Seven players leaving is just a lot and maybe there's something going on internally. That That is my kind of guess. And I don't know anything. So truly, what do I know? But my guess is there's something going on internally. And it would line up with why we're not getting as many transfers. It would line up why we've lost a lot of transfers. Um, something just smells. Well, I'll say this. That's been kind of the dynamic that we've discussed for a couple weeks now, right? Stack's interested. We know yeah. that. Yeah. You Are the Pistons interested? Twitter. Are the Raptors interested? That's the question. But I don't necessarily think that all these transfer portal entries and, and lack of transfer portal movement is related to Stack's NBA interest per se. I would hearken it more to the culture that we talked about and the way that things are done inside the program and a reflection of that being all of your veterans leaving year after year here and not wanting to sign back up and play for for Vanderbilt. And like we said at the top, there can be a lot of extraneous factors and a lot of individual factors that play into that. But when you look at it on a big picture scale, I really think that it's indicative of kind of that culture that's being built. And it's hard to say that it's not, especially when you lose assistant coaches as well in one off yeah. season. Um I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit for you two. So other piece of bad news that Vanderbilt Athletics got this week, Jadeus Richard also entered the transfer portal, was a four-star recruit in Clark Lee's first class, really came on late in the year, had had been penciled in as the cornerback 
uh, CB1 during spring ball, one of their better players on the football team. Yep. Um, young, had opportunity, everything in front of him. Uh, d- decided to enter the transfer portal yesterday. This one, I think, given what we know about Clark Lee's program, which is kind of the antithesis of what we were just discussing yeah. with Stackhouse in that there's been a ton of buy-in, there's not been many players to leave, et cetera, right. et cetera. This one seems to, to be chalked up a little bit more to NIL-related NIL yeah. um, NIL decision. But my question for you guys is, Vanderbilt's a smaller school, right? I mean, Vanderbilt's not going to have the the spending power that a lot of other programs in the SEC are in the revenue sports. So what are we seeing here in college sports? Like, is this going to be the new reality for a program like Vanderbilt? Or are they just going to have their top players picked off at the end of spring ball, at the end of the basketball season? Um, or, or how does the athletic department go about kind of combating that? I think it's probably, I think it's probably a even a bigger problem than football, just generally in college sports. Not talking about Vanderbilt specifically, it's probably a bigger problem in football than it is in basketball, and just the way that um, there are so many more football scholarships to go around in the SEC than there are basketball scholarships, and when when there are, when you have these powerhouses, when you have basically 13 historical football powerhouses in this conference uh, that guys are looking to go to. It's, it's just, it is a, it is a big long-term concern that if Vanderbilt can't keep up with this NIL spending, that you're going to lose a lot of guys that way. Unless, unless the culture becomes so, um, so advanced that it transcends that, but that's, that takes some time. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle, and it's just one other obstacle that they're dealing with on top of the fact that they are not a blue blood or whatever historically successful the way literally every other team in the SEC kind of is. Um, In football, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, And they don't necessarily have the facilities or the stadium, and I know they're working on that with Vandy United, but that's just another thing. They don't have the fans. they They don't have the culture. They don't have really any of this stuff, and it's going to be kind of a long battle um and like you said culture is going to have to play a big part in it curious to see how the nil continues to pan out because obviously this is a relatively new development in the sphere of college sports um yeah yeah and it's not it's not an issue with baseball because that culture has been there in baseball and has been being built for over 20 years yeah it takes time to it doesn't happen overnight that these kinds of like cultures get created yeah no this culture the baseball culture can kind of withstand the nil because it's so cemented at vanderbilt however the football is attempting to build a culture in not necessarily cement but maybe like quicksand and the nil is that quicksand so they're dealing with multiple facets at the same time yeah i i am with you guys in that the number one priority i think for vanderbilt's athletic programs is to build strong cultures such that they can kind of be adverse to the NIL era and the transfer portal era, like you guys have said about the baseball program. But at the same time, the reality is that that kids are going to want to leave and they're going to want to get money elsewhere if things operate as they are at current. And so for me, the big issue is 
not only what we've talked about on this podcast before, which is kind of like this now seemingly by the day antiquated money dump into facilities and also just a general strategic plan for attack in the NIL era. And so I think the most important thing that I would do if I was in charge of running a collective, which I'm not, I'm far from it, is make sure that Vanderbilt retains its players. That's going to be number one. I don't think Vanderbilt's ever going to be a huge type of player in the transfer portal recruitment space, in the high school recruitment space, especially in football. But player development. If Vanderbilt can get the right guys in and develop them, which I think Clark Lee and Jerry Stackhouse have both shown an ability to do, then that money should go towards retaining said players. And you're going to need a certain amount of cash to get a guy like Evan Taylor or even better in specifically men's and women's basketball just because there's less scholarships to go around. But if I'm Candace Lee, if I'm the collectives, I am saying if there's fundraising that needs to be done for the athletic department right now in any way, 99% of it is going to NIL. I agree. Vanderbilt cannot compete with the rest of the SEC if they're going to play half-assed in this space. The state of recruitment has come. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's completely changed. The NIL is the biggest thing. We can have really nice facilities, but we still have good facilities. Let's throw them some money. That's what they want. But and, I mean, a lot of these Van United investments were announced and like planned before no, yeah, this. this I, I know. Event. It's just yeah, no, no, no. That's yeah. the point exactly. But it's just um, you know, it's there's changed. donors out there, and there's there's obviously wealthy Vanderbilt alumni, and, and a lot of them aren't necessarily connected to athletics. But if I'm the athletic department, this is my number one thing on the whiteboard right now. If we are fundraising, it is for NIL money. It is so that we can compete on the same level as our peers in the conference. Because that was the whole mission behind Van United. That's the whole purpose of what the athletic department under yeah. Candace Lee has tried to do in terms of modernizing the development that goes on over at McGugan. And this is a step in that. So while it's super disappointing that, that Tyron Lawrence is leaving and Jace Richard is leaving um, for separate teams, the end of the day, the reasons while they're going to be personal in, in some ways, the reasons aren't super secret, right? right? And, least, and yeah, it's partially so. Interesting to talk about nowadays because it used to be so covered up and under the table back in a past era, but if Vanderbilt wants to play in the SEC in 2023 they and beyond, <laughs> yeah. they're going to have to open up the checkbook. Um, and that's where we'll, where we'll leave that. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. We got Frankie in the studio to, to give us the rundown. Yeah, I watched from I d I couldn't catch on Friday night. I watched from like the eighth inning on Friday night, and then Saturday and Sunday. You watched, and I turned like, it off you by watched Sunday. On Saturday, I was watching for a little. Wow, good for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was not it was not pleasant viewing experience no, starting from bad. the eighth inning on Friday. No, it wasn't that. Um, the lead with the baseball team is you got a big, big amount of concern about the pitching staff and how deep it is. And it looked better earlier. It looked better in 
earlier in the year. Um, but when you have, it's, it started with, with Holton missing a start, although he, he, he seems to be, he seems to be fine now. And the only good thing about this series was that Holton was, looked really good again. Um, and when you have concern about these and you have Hunter Owen missing starts and we don't even know why Hunter Owen's missing starts, what his injury is or, or what other issue is going on. That's a big concern. When you have a bullpen that was asked to, like when you have a bullpen that was asked to cover a game against Indiana State, a good team, but, and they give up 10 runs to Indiana State, and then they can't get seemingly get anybody out against Tennessee, a worse Tennessee lineup than there was last year. So it's a big, it's a big worry. And, you can really only, it seems like, count on one hand the number of pitchers right now that you trust on Vanderbilt. And uh, it's a good thing, I think, that they don't have a midweek this week. Um, hopefully up. hopefully everyone will, will be rested up and Corbin and Scott Brown can go into, uh, into Kentucky with a, with a more clear plan. But it's not a good time right now. Yeah, I don't know. It seems, it seems really concerning to me. I really thought that the, I thought the bullpen did a great job against South Carolina, especially that Saturday game. I was really yeah, impressed I agree. with how they covered it. I don't know how much. I mean, you know better than I do how much you can actually chalk it up to fatigue because they did like they have they have really been stretched out. But also, that's kind of just what happens over the course of a season with a bullpen is they just throw innings and they have to you know be relied on potentially multiple games in a series. I think that, like you said, resting up will help but I also just think it's more of a it's more of a lack of depth within the bullpen problem. I wouldn't I wouldn't give them that much of an excuse for rest because most of these guys who are who come to Vanderbilt are going to want to pitch in professional baseball and right right now most of the guys in the in the Vanderbilt staff are pitching once a week or twice a week and if you go pro you're going to be in the Three bullpen. Or four. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's probably it's probably three, maybe four times a week. And I mean, it, that's what Corbin yeah. said after Indiana State, right? right? He said these guys are on scholarship too. Right. Like Vanderbilt has a lot of players in their program who are expected to be the tops of the top, the absolute elite class of, of high school baseball players. Um, and I think, like you guys said, like it's hard to know how much of it is Vanderbilt playing poorly how much of it it's fatigue I think it's a little bit of both but it is I would say factual or notable that we we are in the dog days of college baseball at this point I mean you look at last night in the SEC Nichols State beat LSU Missouri State beat Arkansas Troy beat Auburn Mississippi State beat Ole Miss Sam Houston State beat Texas A&M Louisville beat Kentucky, Georgia State beat Georgia. There's a lot of states in there that, yeah. are, that are winning <laughs> midweek games. And right. so I think for everyone, it's kind of a bit of a lull where you're into the depths of April now. You're looking ahead to June, just trying to get through the kind of this portion of the schedule. Um, and so I'm with you, Frankie, that it's big, in my opinion, not to have a midweek this week, kind of get a rest up. It's something you can't do really in the MLB aside from right. the all-star break is, is have – really a bye week and a reset after losing four straight, you get 
the entire week off until you play Friday uh, against Kentucky. And because of that and because of how the last week plus has gone, Kentucky really becomes a series where you have you got to take two out of three, in my opinion, at home. I, I, I think you have to, I think you have to plan for that. And what I'd say specifically is I think there needs to be more of a role for Ryan Ginther because he's one of the very few arms out of the pen right now who's giving you consistent innings. And he only pitched one inning in the Friday game, um, but but he looked good and he can be good and he can um, he can be an important part of that of that return. The thing is, you need to be, you need to stay top eight. I think you need to host, be on track to host a in, super regional. In the country, you mean? In the country, yeah. You you really want to be on track to host a super regional, and if you keep losing these series, and if you well, they've lost one series, but if you keep <laughs> playing like this, they've ra- they've racked up a lot of top wins, but there are. St- going to start to be questions asked if they can stay in that top eight if if performances like this continue to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking for the, the full body of work, Vanderbilt's at 29-11, they're 13-5 and five in conference. Right, right, they're still up right. top in terms of the national rankings, in terms of the SEC standings, in terms of the SEC East standings. Uh-huh. But you need this weekend to be an anomaly, like you said, Frankie, right. and, and that reset kind of starts now for Vanderbilt. And while we have agreed that it's nice that you get that time off because of what you did before. The urgency starts right after. And so it feels like that last kind of push for the regular season is going to start with this weekend. And, and there's a lot of tough games coming up on Vanderbilt's schedule after that. I mean, you get Georgia State in here next week, uh, go down to Tuscaloosa. You've got Louisville in the Battle of the Barrel for the next midweek. Like, there's not a, a ton of gimmies left on the schedule. Right. And... I do think Vanderbilt has the talent to kind of run through the rest of their schedule and, and play to the level that they had early in the season. But we talked about and we knew that they had played the bottom tier of the SEC for the beginning of the year. And so it's really time to prove it. And I think I'm with you, like getting a guy like Ginther going, Hunter Owen, whatever is going on there. We don't know if that's fatigue related. We don't know if that's suspension related. Like, Corbin has been pretty vague on what's going on with him. Um, but getting certainly like getting Carter, Carter Holton, Hunter Owen, Devin Futrell back going in a threesome on the weekend, I think is very important. Um, and the hitting was lackluster this weekend as well. I mean, RJ Shrek, really the only bright spot I would say offensively from this weekend. And that's a, a small park out in, out in Knoxville, as we know. I think biggest thing for me is just kind of reset. Yeah, I think a reset is is really important. I don't know if you guys saw this weekend South Carolina swept Florida. Um, South Carolina is like the best team in college baseball right now. So it it makes me concerned because if Vanderbilt had won, you know, a hard-fought, really intense series against South Carolina, then we were like, oh, we're really certain that Vanderbilt is just better than them. Like they outplayed them. Like you talked about, Frankie, South Carolina had, what, nine errors across the series? Yes. Half of the runs were unearned. Like Vanderbilt did not outplay South Carolina. Eight well, times. yeah. Just objectively, like they were not far and away the better team. And so you go past two series, it's a bit of luck against South Carolina and then a horrid performance against Tennessee. This Kentucky series is essential. Because, again, before South Carolina, before Tennessee, 
yes, they played some ranked out of conference opponents, but a lot of cupcakes in there. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how they respond. Reset is definitely necessary because they have not been on it the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Any parting words of wisdom for us, Frankie? Um, I I have faith that it, it's it is going to be okay because I do too. Yeah, and it's Corbin. You, like you say, you say. I, I get what you're saying about South Carolina, but also playing good defense is part of outplaying a team. Oh, 100%. And and Vanderbilt typically plays very good defense and they they had they had a one pretty big error against Tennessee uh by by Diaz that that cost them a bit, but they for the most part do not shoot themselves in the foot and they are a balanced team and those kinds of teams do win in the long term. And so I I think they'll be able to put it on track. We'll shift to a slight bit of good news before we wrap up with anything but Vandy and, and three questions for infinity. But uh, Anthony Orgy, like we said at the top, day two, day three, we'll see. I, don't, I guess I don't know exactly how the rounds work. Aiden corrected me. But uh, Anthony Orgy going to be selected, we think, this tomorrow, I should say, in the NFL draft. Going to be Vanderbilt's first player, hopefully, since Dio Odebango in 2021. Also got two hopefuls in Jeremy Lucian and Maxwell Worship. And I know, I know you and I wrote up some profiles. Um, I think Anthony, the stats and the production kind of speak for itself. Yeah. Just a really high-level player at the SEC level. Vanderbilt's best player on defense for the last two years. Ultra-productive at that linebacker spot. Can fly around. Looks like an NFL athlete. Um, really fills out his uniform well. And I think... Got to be, got to be a high quality player at least uh, on special teams for an NFL team right away. And then Jeremy Lucian and Maxwell Worship, two guys in the secondary. If if you want to talk about Lucian, I know you did a little preview on him that's coming out in the coming days here. Yeah, I think Lucian. Basically, the whole the whole premise of the profile is not necessarily the world class speed that a lot of corners have, but he's big um, and he's got excellent ball skills and he's a good tackler. He's very physical, strong. Um, Definitely could see him. Obviously, he would be in probably the sixth or seventh round, one of the later rounds. Um, could be an asset potentially in the red zone. Obviously, you've got a lot of guys in the NFL nowadays, I think especially nowadays, where you've got fast receivers that are also just exceptionally strong and tall, guys like T. Higgins, Mike Williams, guys that are end zone, red zone nightmares. Um, and kind of what I talked about is that Lucian – because he's kind of taller, because he has strength, because he has ball skills, fits that mold of going up and saying, you know, no, and trying to deny that jump ball, you know, just F it, T. Higgins down there somewhere. He's the He has that build and the skills to kind of defend that. So I think, you know, he could be a good rotational guy for a team. I think you'll see teams like the Vikings, Titans, who had just terrible, abysmal pass defenses last year go really heavy in the secondary. Yeah. Um. I could even see a team like the Giants that lacks size go for it. Um, I know that that's maybe a bit biased because I'm a Giants fan, but they have no size and no strength in the cornerback <laughs> room. Um, so he yeah. worked out for the Chargers too. He did a private workout for the Chargers. I, I think know that's another good spot. I know he zoomed with the Giants as well. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the size and the skills. I know he's also been working a lot the past couple months pre-draft on his speed and on his mechanics in terms of opening up and running. Uh, I definitely think there's a lot to like, and I thought he was really surprisingly impressive this year. I, I was yeah. not expecting it a good, ton for uh, him. I know he came in, and he was kind of expected to be CB3, 
Um, and I thought, you know, he led the team in terms of the cornerbacks and tackles and passes defended. That was pretty impressive. Uh, definitely think he could find a home somewhere. A nice little mercenary for Clark League, yeah. kind of a one-year grad transfer guy. Maxwell Worship, I did the profile on, and that's going to be coming out soon. I think he kind of is expected to be a special teamer mostly, a guy who you can really put in a lot of different positions. He played three different spots at Vanderbilt, including or excluding special teams. So three positions on the defense and then also contributed on special teams in his first couple of years, played through multiple different schemes and head coaches. Really a guy who's who's an intellectual type of player on the back end, really disciplined and smart when it comes to um, understanding the safety position. What he does best, I would say, is kind of being a, a run stopper and being a downhill, bigger safety coming down at the line of scrimmage. He, he recognizes the run pretty well and, and, and is able to kind of stay executed and in assignment in terms of staying in his gaps and, and not overcommitting, which is the biggest problem for, for guys in the secondary and allowing big runs. Um, obviously, he has the last line of defense. Um, definitely think that he's going to be a fringe NFL draft type guy. Um, could see an undrafted situation similar to Alan George, um, who's become a mainstay with the Cincinnati Bengals over the last couple of years. Um, and there's definitely a, a place for special teamers that you can rely on and, and guys who you can put into any spot on the, the back end of the secondary in the NFL. And I think that's kind of where, where worship profiles and where he'll fit in. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him, with Jeremy Lucian, and obviously Anthony Orgy, like we talked about at the top. Um, that's going to be it for for our sports coverage for Crazy. Live from wow. West End for the academic year. We'll wrap up with anything but Vandy. Then, like I said, we'll do three questions uh, for Infinity, but... Shout out Aiden for producing all year long. Been a blast Huge. to be here in the studio. Um, Thanks, guys. Kind of Hold a bummer we great. ended on such a such a sour note, sour yeah. episode here. But uh, we'll make we'll make up for it with our questions. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll miss sitting here for we'll have, sure. We'll have you on yeah. on Zoom. We'll call you <laughs> next year for sure. Um, you want to start with your anything with Vandy this week? Yeah, I remember talking about it last night. And I can't remember what I wanted to talk about. Um, so I'll just go with old reliable. How about them Knicks, man? <laughs> um, last time we were in the studio, I believe the series was tied 1-1. The Knicks won both games at MSG, one in a blowout, one in kind of a close game that they pulled away through stellar play from Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett, um, two of my favorite guys on the team. Uh, I'm excited. I think there's a chance that they blow a 3-1 lead just because two of the games are in Cleveland and the Cavs are more talented uh, and objectively a better team. <laughs> however, DG, baby. However, if the Knicks can pull it off and win one more game, they'll likely face the Heat in the second round. The Heat are terrible. What? what? The Heat are atrocious. The Heat are. Jimmy Butler's better than anyone doing? on the Knicks. Oh, 100% Jimmy Butler. 56 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had half of the team's points. Duncan Robinson plays 30 plus minutes for them. Duncan Robinson is terrible. Duncan Robinson is awful. I'm you sorry. You grew up Duncan idolizing Robinson. Duncan Robinson. I didn't grow up idolizing Duncan Robinson. I grew up idolizing Mo Wagner. That's a different That's story. Even, that is even worse. Mo Wagner would give the Heat more meaningful minutes than Duncan Robinson. If RJ Barrett matches up with Duncan Robinson, the Knicks will win in like five games. They have no Oladipo, no Tyler Hero. If the Knicks can play the Heat, then you will see me 
in Madison Square Garden for an Eastern Conference Finals game. Oh, you're you're going? Oh yeah, I'll be. I will be dropping as much money as it wouldn't costs miss it. to go. Hundred percent, I wouldn't miss it. Um, but yeah, I think I'm very excited. Also, have a really good friend who's a Heat fan who I talk a lot of trash with, and so I'd be excited to see a seven game series and just be like, here's who comes out on top. Um, yeah, I think it's an exciting time to be a Knicks fan, and I'm very happy about it. It's my anything but Vandy. Uh, I'll go to another old favorite. Uh, the Premier League. Oh God! That was gonna be mine, just to put a bow on everything. Well, there's two two things. One, there's a huge, huge game, game today. today between huge. my Man City and possibly your Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> the jury's still out <laughs> since January. Since we They're started today. Yes. yes. Why are they playing in the middle of the week like that? Because this game got this works. game got moved from like February or whatever because of an FA Cup tie or whatever. Uh and then wow. the other big Premier so League. So that's news. like for the. This is, this is like be for the, the yeah. league. If, if right? Arsenal can win, then they'll probably stay top of the table, assuming like yeah, they it, don't collapse. It's, it's not gonna. Be, it's not gonna end the title race either way. No, but, but it, it, it would it's be. A big game. Oh. It's a huge game. I mean, it would if bring, Arsenal wins, it wouldn't end the title race. No. Well, well, here's There's the thing. City have two games in hand. City, yeah, City is five points behind with two less games. So if they win uh. this game, they'll be two points behind with two less games, meaning they would need to win one. Yeah. And they'd win. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, uh, and the other Premier League news is your former Tottenham <laughs> losing 6-1. <laughs> to my play- Newcastle. And the players. Your new, new, new. My new, 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 new castle. castle. The players refunding the fans who traveled to Newcastle. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Actually? Truly the yeah. funniest thing Offering to pay back the fans who <laughs> traveled to see that game. How do you, what, how how do you, you like know that price? Embarrassment. That's how we started with the Anything But Vandia, and I was clearly right. I, I sensed a sinking ship, and uh, I got it right. They fired Maybe they'll their, turn it around. They fired their interim head coach. Isn't that crazy? Well, he wasn't doing a good job, clearly. He was there for clearly. like three weeks. It's wild. Wild. Wow, and it's there's still six in the table. Yeah, well, well they yeah, were three like a month ago. But yeah, Brighton's but. got games in hand. Liverpool's got games in hand. Brighton's, Why yeah. are the games all off? It everyone just, plays like everyone has FA Cup games, kind of rescheduling things. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah. Tottenham. Okay. Tottenham's Brighton my bold prediction far. is Tottenham's going to finish outside of the top ten. Maybe oh, that many games. Hold left? on, there's there's like five or six <laughs> games left. They're horrid. They're so bad. But out, outside of the top 10 means they get passed by Chelsea. So let's let's take it easy here, no, right? No, it doesn't. Chelsea's it 11th. Doesn't. Okay, close. How is Chelsea so bad? <sighs> well, that, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, that, that, is, yeah. that is a zone podcast yeah. segment. I was going to say, we're, we're starting a soccer pod here. All right. I ahead. guess since Frankie's still mine, I'll just, do, I'll just start. I'll do what we started with, which was uh, last episode for me. In this anything, but Vandy, it's been very fun. <laughs> I know, very thankful for Aiden for all the the production all year long. We should have made like a sound bites of the the best clips of the year. My favorites were Simon yelling into the <laughs> microphone about the net. That was good. Jace giving us an entire rundown about bowling. That was awesome. Wilf Wilf staticky call from Hawaii. Wilf calling in from Hawaii. Us not being able to figure out how the technology worked with Robbie Weinstein, twenty four seven Sports, former <laughs> the podcast from editor. hell, the podcast from hell, oh, yeah, man. with Robbie. That just took me back. Um, the 
the podcast when we like laid out what Vanderbilt would need to do to make the NCAA tournament <laughs> with like seven games left, and then they did exactly and, that. Like, and they still missed. If, it. They, could, if it. they could go to Rupp and beat Kentucky, There's, they're obviously not going to go to Rupp and beat Kentucky. And we win were all like, these if games, they could, but and then if, if they win a couple games in the SEC tournament, if they go to Rupp and beat Kentucky, and then they did, and then they beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament. Yeah, a lot to look back on. A very exciting year for what became live from West End, formerly the Hustler Sports Thirty. For the sports section in general, it was an exciting year. For the sports section in general, thank you to our fearless leader. Yes, thank you, Bryce. Shout out for real. Thank you guys. Um, But yeah, it's been a blast. We've had a lot of good memories. Oh, Brandon Carp, our uh, (laughs) our our lead sports analyst, who went message board famous talking about the slow match. Oh, how could we forget? Oric coming on the show. That was one of my favorite pods. Actually, that was that was pretty legendary. The the Oric uh, is my favorite Twitter follower. Yeah, the Twitter Godfather of Vanderbilt Athletics, uh, Oracle Finger. <laughs> um, the Athletic Equinox on West End. That was a good episode. That was a great episode. A uh, lot happening there. The a lot Bryce, happening today. The Bryce Twix episode. The oh yeah, that was that was a fun one. Yep. I was excited for that. That was good. Um, yeah. Been a blast. We had Alyssa on. Yep. When uh, after Kaija Harbison was going crazy for a couple of weeks there, that was pretty. We had Justin on a couple times. Yeah. Um, never got Shay Ralph on, unfortunately. Never got Shay. You promised me Shay multiple Dude, times. Dude, I, I emailed. I is Corbs the Tom times. Izzo of, of college baseball? That's that's another Bryce's, one too. Now we just named clickbait titles. Yeah, we yeah. Yeah. named every episode. Yeah. But um, we'll do three questions now. I don't even. This is weird to do a question that that. I mean, we're not going to be here next week to answer it, so I guess I could just ask for as long as I want. My main, my main question. Hmm. I mean, I would want to know if Vanderbilt makes a bowl next year. Like, I'm just going to be in, you know, the abyss. Like, you guys are going to have to answer this for me in ten months from now, or not ten months, whatever, six months from now when <laughs> when it happens. Like three. Uh oh oh, I have a good question. Okay. This is this is my question because it was in my New Year's resolution. I'm sorry that I did okay, too, okay, but okay. you never have questions anyway. Yeah, that's either. true. That's true. <laughs> Can Vanderbilt men's golf win a national championship and make it two national championships Ooh. for the university this year? That was How my about three with baseball. Yeah, yeah, I like it. But that was my uh, New Year's prediction: was that men's golf would bring a national championship home. So curious to see how that goes over the summer. We'll see how uh, my question gets answered. That's a good question. That's a good one. Um, hmm. what will my question be, Frankie? Do you have one off the top of your head or no? I was gonna do one like for more immediate, the more immediate time, which was, what does Vanderbilt's lineup look like this weekend? Which is a bit more, uh, <laughs> that's li- a bit less good, dramatic. Good, but I, I, like I want to see uh, if on it's brand, a shake up, if it goes back to the old one, or if uh, if Diaz stays in the eighth spot and Matthew Polk stays up higher. Mine is gonna be a little bit Vandy, a little outside the scope of Vandy. What do the two individual seasons of Vanderbilt's two 2022 starting quarterbacks look like? How does Mike Wright look in oh. Mississippi State, and how does A.J. Swan look in his sophomore season? All right. And Ken Seals. And Ken Seals as apparently the backup who's looked amazing in camp. The eternal QB2. Well, <laughs> truly been a blast, guys. Yep. <laughs> do you don't want to end it on the, the Ken Seals? The eternal QB2 is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think Vanderbilt sweeps this weekend. That will end it on there that. There you go. Wow. Sweeps like right. Love it. Uh, truly been a blast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Aiden, for all your production savantness. Frankie, thank you for being on, talking baseball with us. Um, for the last time for this semester, 
Thank you for listening to Live from West End.